You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. I'm Paul. (laughs) And welcome back to The Comics Hall. We've got a great show for you guys this week, covering all of the news and releases for Wednesday, September 30th. We are on the precipice of Halloween season, but we do have an action-packed week uh, for the last Wednesday of September, so we will be covering that shortly. But we do have a moderator in the chat today. Yes, we do. Um, Hi, I'm Cassidy, and I am in Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group. If you are watching live, so just let me know your questions, comments, or concerns. Excellent. So you guys can interact with Cassidy if you are in our chats. We are live at 4 p.m. Pacific every Wednesday. And if you are listening on our podcast feedback, then it is most likely Thursday, which means hopefully you still have enough time to get to your comic book store before any of these new releases sell out. Uh, So you can check us out on your favorite podcasting platforms. But without further ado, let's hop into our comic book news this week. A little bit slow, but we had some stuff come in last minute. So sure did. Yeah. Uh, to start with, uh, Mad Cave Studios, who we have previously covered for their release of Stargazer, but they've also uh, published books like Wolven Heart and Show's End, uh, have announced that in 2021 they will be debuting a new imprint focused on young adult graphic novels. I always think this is great. Love getting very specifically focused for younger audience graphic novels. Right. Um, they did announce their uh, launch slate of titles, including books like Good Game, Well Played, Needle and Thread, Nightmare in Savannah, Of Her Own Design, and World Class. And if you're tempted to learn more about any of those, you can check out uh, more details will be revealed this Saturday, October 3rd, during the Mad Cave 2.0 showcase on their official uh, social media channels. And these, uh, the imprint Maverick will be working with talent like Rebecca Nolte, Jay Sandlin, Justin Birch, Rachel Smith, and more. So that'll be really great. Looking forward to hearing even more news about that this Saturday yeah. at their kind of uh, basically state of the, the comics address at the Mad Cave showcase. Yeah, that's always really exciting, and we'd love to see a, a good uh, young adult novel imprint pop up here and there. Um, Skybound Inter- Entertainment has announced that it will be hosting a virtual event in October uh, called Skybound Expo Halloween. Uh, this is following a similar virtual event that they had just done uh, in July. The expo will include panels, product drops, merchandise announcements, comic discussions, and first looks at some of the stuff that Skybound has uh, done. I'm sorry, that Skybound has done but never previously released and stuff that's, you know, a little bit down the way. Uh, The event will stream free on YouTube and their Facebook page, and you can sign up for their newsletter at skybound.com forward slash expo. That's X-P-O forward slash Halloween. Um, So that'll be fun. I think it's kind of getting us all right into spooky season. So, you know, as I'm starting to, you know, the, the Halloween pumpkins are starting. I don't even know where pumpkins really come from, but they're on my porch now. So they're, they're <laughs> there. I can't wait. So Skybound Expo will be there. So for, virtually. <laughs> and so then we also. Yeah. Some more spooky stuff. <laughs> say, so in more spooky stuff, I, we had this whole bin. I was like, oh yeah, I, I have the next one as well. <laughs> we got to keep ourselves on our toes. <laughs> smooth. Going as smooth as ever. Um, but speaking of spooky people like Batman, um, Spotify, Warner Brothers, and DC have announced that David Escoyer has developed uh, a story for and will be executive and will be the executive producer on a scripted Batman podcast. It's a scripted narrative Batman podcast called Batman Unburied. 
This will be the first in a series of narrative podcasts resulting from a partnership with DC and Spotify. Um, that one was announced. I was super excited for it. I think my love for DC is pretty apparent. Um, and it'll serve as the exclusive platform for the streaming service, uh, the streaming series, I'm sorry. The podcast will explore uh, apparently the darker aspects of Bruce Wayne's psychology, uh, which I'm really excited for because I definitely think that guy needs help 100%. He doesn't get it, though. Um, but it will debut sometime in 2021. Uh, Marvel also has recently uh, entered into the same narrative podcast sphere uh, with partnerships with Serial Box uh, and Stitcher to produce podcasts about Wolverine, Thor, Black Widow, Jessica Jones, Black Panther. Um, so if you don't want to wait, till 2021 for some great Batman um, narrative podcast journeys, uh, you can go over to Stitcher and um, Serial Box and kind of, you know, bite your time with some amazing characters there as well. I think it's a great uh, way to bridge the, the the way in which you could go. I wish I could listen to comic books uh, as as an audiobook, but yeah. you missed the art section. So they they do a great job taking these characters and and basically giving you audio dramas um, starring yeah, your favorite uh, heroes. Neil Gaiman and Sandman just put out an amazing and incredible. I don't know if it's won an award, but I'm giving it an award so I can say it's <laughs> award winning. Um, and uh, yeah, that one's absolutely fantastic. So it's it's definitely a medium. Um, a mic, it's, it's like a meta medium within a, another medium that I think is starting to become more at the forefront. So really yeah. excited for that. Yes. And then this news snuck in just under the deadline, huh, to make it onto our list. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to say about this, but according to Deadline and confirmed by comic book writer and character co-creator G. Willow Wilson, newcomer actress Iman Vellani will star as Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, Ooh. for the upcoming Disney Plus series. So we just had the announcement for She-Hulk and Tatiana Maslany. Right. Um, Marvel has not commented officially on the casting, but the people that are close to the project, like G. Willow Wilson, have affirmed the news. Um, and then... Uh, Per previous statements by Kevin Feige, the character will not only appear on the small screen, but in future Marvel films as well. So I am over the moon uh, <laughs> that we will be getting uh, Kamala Khan in live action very, very soon. Uh, but that is that is all the news that is going on for that right now. It, it yeah. just dropped a couple hours ago, so we're very excited about that. Yeah, literally just snuck in. Just Amy, you'd mentioned, I'm like, what? When did just this happen? A, just as we were we were mentioning, it was a slow news week. <laughs> Boom! Kick the doors wide open, and and I I think you had mentioned it, but this is like one of her first projects, apparently. Yeah, newcomer. She's, yeah, and uh, one of her first big gigs, and loves the Marvel universe. I think it's pretty safe to say that that's uh, it's honoring the character there. Yes, and we're going to protect her at all costs. <laughs> at all costs. Comments all right. You're back. <laughs> so we do have a panel of the week this week. We're back on track with our uh, yes. faded rivalry. So you guys uh, helped us decide this week. We chose between. Uh, two different Atlantis-themed panels. Now, of course, when you say the word Atlantis to a comic book person, you're going to find out very quickly which side they fall on, <laughs> Marvel or DC. So, Paul, you want to explain your pick real quick? Yes. The first pick here is from uh, Aquaman number zero. This was the free comic book day, I believe 2015, uh, free issue that came out. This is by, it was written by Jeff Johns, art by Ivan Rice, and colors by Joe Prado. This basically was a... Uh, a an appetizer course for what Jeff Johns was going to bring to the character of Aquaman. Um, and if you have read comics uh, in the last 10 years or so, you know that it was a pretty incredible run. So this sort of shows a, a more muted, um, you know, looking down version of, uh, of Atlantis. And it's basically telling, you know, Arthur Curry, this is your home now. This is your people, not the surface world. So, you know, that old song and game <laughs> song and dance, I think song and game. 
Did the uh, the seahorses all sing to him as well? <laughs> they sure do, yeah. And the clams. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> all right. So my panel pick was from Atlantis Attacks number two from 2020. Old time Marvel fans may be familiar with the old Atlantis Attacks uh, event, but this is a new series uh, written by Greg Pak with art by Ario Anandito and Robert Gill. Uh, extra points because Gill is an aquatic pun. Uh, but this panel <laughs> features Namor uh, greeting the newest Marvel hero, Pearl Pangon, who is known as Wave. Uh, and it is it is yeah. a ground up view of Atlantis. Very bright, colorful sharks and whales and jellyfish. And uh, basically, Namor is saying Atlantis is ready to love you. Please side with us against the uh, horrible air breathers. Um, so I thought that was a fun. Atlantis Attacks is one of my favorite old, like, they really did that events. And so I was excited to see them bring that back for the modern age. So that's why I had to pick uh, this panel. So drum roll, please. Drum, 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 drum. And our winner was Chris. <laughs> it was me <laughs> all right i was like i want to i want to give paul his moment <laughs> thank you thank you i'd i'd like um i'd like to thank everyone that voted um oh i'm more to hearing the, the the oscar music okay i'll get going but uh but yeah i i mean thank you guys to everyone that voted again we had a, another really really great uh turnout of everyone voting um i'll be honest didn't think i was gonna win this one really i i i, I loved so here's the thing as much as I love DC and I love Aquaman, and I know we've got to move on, Amy, but when I think of Atlantis, I think of the Disney movie <laughs> because, like, that's what I think of. And so I felt like yours, if like, really sort of encapsulates that, like, really bright, um, bioluminescent, you know, mm -hmm. type of Atlantis. Um, and I, but I also love DC's version of Atlantis. This is like this, like, gritty, hardened, it's like an underwater, um, gotham in some in some way <laughs> shape or form where it's like bad things do happen there um but yeah so i'm happy to win and amy get the broom and uh start sweeping up all the confetti I, hey you know what we were at a tie so naturally the tie was going to be broken but i'm coming back for you next week we got we can hint that next week we are doing a uh new york themed show yes uh, to coincide with a little little ditty called sideshow new york con uh oh, yeah. so you guys can look ahead we will be posting our most new yorkiest panels uh for you to vote on for your voting pleasure um mm -hmm. for those of you who are listening to our audio feedback just before we move audio feedback sounds so uh, drastic our <laughs> podcast format um all of these visuals are available on sideshow.com geek for your viewing pleasure um and if you would ever like to vote and and add your own opinion to our panel of the week you can join the let your geek sideshow official facebook group right now it is time for us to introduce a brand new segment uh we would yes. like to there there are so many people that go into the inner workings of getting a book to the shelf not only from the creative team but to the the people who sling it to you at your local comic book store but there are just so many people and sometimes they are working on multiple books at once and we wanted to highlight a new segment called the busy bee of the week uh for a creator Ooh. who deserves uh, special special recognition for what they've got on the shelves, especially if you are a fan of following their works across different uh, publishers. You might not know they've got all these things going this this week. So, mm -hmm. Paul, would you like to give us our first ever Comics Hall Busy Bee of the Week? Yes, the first Busy Bee of the Week is James Tinian IV. Uh, we will now be referring to him as JT4. <laughs> no, we don't <laughs> have to do that. I'm just kidding. But um, James, he was chosen to be uh, – Amy, can I read my terrible joke and pun? Please um, do. It was he was chosen as the very first comics hall busy bee because of the buzz surrounding his work right now, and it's all of his work is as sweet as honey because honey comes from bees. <laughs> so, 
Please um, note, I did not review that statement before Paul yeah, uh, the boss made it. Did not. I snuck it in there. I, yeah. I, I, I snuck in the Miss Marvel news and then I just went like, I'll just sneak this right under too. But yeah, we wanted to choose uh, James Tinney the fourth because he has a lot going on this week. Uh, this is definitely a segment that we thought like in theory, like it's a really good idea because it does happen sometimes where like, um, like Amy, you were mentioning Chips Sadarsky, Chips Double Dip. And it, it, it happens sometimes because they work on sometimes with the big two. James Tinian specifically will work um, – you know, with with Boom and smaller indie publishers, um, and this was one of those weeks. Um, so just to kind of get everyone into the uh, the sphere of him being a busy bee and why we chose him first, Joker War Zone number one, which is a uh, tie-in to his current uh, Joker War arc on the flagship Batman run over on DC. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, Chris. <laughs> and so uh, that is the cover for it. Uh, James Tinian is currently he, he plotted this. He didn't actually write the, uh, you know, all of the words, if you will, but he definitely plotted this because it ties into his particular story. So that is uh, something that he did right in a way um, over on DC because I believe Joker War ends next week. Uh, this is uh, one that you're not going to want to miss. So we also have over on uh, over at Boom Studios, he has uh, the third printing of his much loved, especially by me, Wind uh, series over. Again, I think I already mentioned it, but at Boom Studios, this is the third printing of this book. Uh, I do remember, I think I covered this on Comics Hall and I, on uh, issue one, and I was like, it's, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And it just kind of goes to show not only how powerful Boom is right now, but how uh, hot of a hand James Tinian has right now. I mean, a lot of stuff that he's done is... I mean, it's pretty incredible, and I think um, Something is Killing the Children, which is one, actually, that I haven't read by him. I've read most of everything he's done, and I own, I think, the first couple issues, but it's one of those, like, ah, I'll get to it. Yeah, Something uh, is Killing the Children. Yeah, fantastic book. I'm trade-waiting on that series because I yeah. do like, uh, especially for comics with a horror tinge to them, I pick and choose. I loved uh, having the whole book available to me for the first arc, uh, but that is another fantastic series that is is very much acclaimed, and it is kind of rare in the indie sphere to see books get multi uh, beyond a second printing to get multiple printings because it is harder to sell those those titles or yeah. the 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 print number of the run is is very different. Um, mm -hmm. So Marvel can say, oh, we're, we're going to go to second, third printing for this hot selling uh, issue. But for independent publishers, like getting that first issue back out is the biggest way to get people right. uh, jumping into that series. So it is great to see Wind getting a third printing. And uh, Tinian has one of the biggest releases this week, yeah. uh, arguably. And, and I know Paul is covering that for his aim. Uh, uh, but I, I sure am. And it is the Department of Truth um, by by James Tinian, of course, and Martin Simons uh, on the art and coloring there. Um, and this is a super long-awaited project uh, of his. And again, I'm not going to go into to I'm not going to go into a lot right now because I am going to cover it in the AIM segment. But uh, this is just another book where I think um, not only, it's an incredible concept, but also I think the weight behind. James Tinian's name sort of plays into this because he has this track record of taking these stories with these incredible concepts and uh, not only running with them, but successfully running with them. Something is killing the children. While I haven't read it, I know that, 
you know, we're in the comic book sphere constantly. It's what we do. And we know that people still love that book. They're still completely on board. Mm -hmm. um, but this is another book that has been very, very, very anticipated, not only by myself, but by a lot of people. Um, we should have done some cover story, like one of our other segments, it's called cover story because uh, this had a ton of variants. I know I, I got cover A, which is the one that we're seeing here over on the right or left of where, where is it that way right there. And so uh, Amy actually got, I think you got the Jenny Frizen variant. I did get the Jenny Frizen variant, which I think was the most kind of provocative of the promotional images they've used right. for this book that features the woman who is lowering her glasses and her eyes are literal X's. Um, yeah, the, the black, red, and white color scheme for the, the cover is, is really making it a standout on the shelves this week. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, it is something I'll, I'll definitely get into it a little bit more later, but people want, I'm sure you guys want to know if you don't know those books and you don't, who is James Tinney in the fourth? We, we just kind of gushed over his work and said how incredible of a writer he is, but just to give you a little bit of kind of backstory into JT four. Uh, so before uh, earning the spotlight with his backup stories in the new 52 Batman. So uh, that's Scott Snyder's story. So he actually was plotting and writing some of the uh, pages in the back matter that DC was doing quite a bit. That's how uh, Shazam was reintroduced into the new 52 and just those really quick, small two to three page stories. Well, James Tinian was doing that um, for Scott Snyder's Batman. I think he took, I think he started doing that in Batman, I think seven or eight. It was right at the end of Court of Owls. Um, and actually, James Tinian was so proved out that Scott Snyder and the folks at DC gave him a story called Talon, which spun out directly of um, the New 52 Scott Snyder Batman. So he basically was under Scott Snyder's wing and Scott mm -hmm. Snyder said, Hey, you know, you were doing such a good job. What if you took this character that I created and I didn't have time for, and I trust you to flesh it out in front of all these people. It was one of his first real big breaks in his first big stories. Uh, and he nailed it. I mean, people love talent. It was fantastic. Um, it really showed his love for DC and Nightwing specifically Nightwing, um, cause he's, he, he, I think he'd always, he's been on record saying like he loves Bruce Wayne, but he thinks Dick Grayson is far more interesting, which, uh, <laughs> is controversial, but we'll, we'll, me and Tindian will talk about that at another that's point. That's a bold stance. Yeah. I mean, I, I think can. that's, that's a future hall, holler at the hall question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I do uh, want to add Tinian is also responsible for, I believe this has been picked up for media attention and possibly a, a film development or that could be something I uh, made up in my head, but he is responsible for Mimetic, which is yes. a uh, very, very popular, it's part of a trilogy of kind of story arcs. Um, but Mimetic specifically is about the internet meme that destroys the world. Uh, oh, no. And I <laughs> have not had the privilege of reading it yet, but I do know that uh, I have a couple of friends who work the Boom Studios booth at every Comic-Con and it is the first book that they tend to recommend uh, because what is a more compelling pitch than the internet meme that destroys the world? Uh, <laughs> And it, and it proves the viral power, both in the internet viral sense and then the apocalyptic Armageddon sense of uh, internet memes. Uh, and it's the, 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 the feel-good sloth, like the take-it-easy sloth is oh, what the yeah, meme yeah. is called. <laughs> um, so if you ever see like the really, he's like uh, thumbs up, chill looking sloth, uh, don't look at it. That is the meme that will drive you insane. But that oh, is no. a, another compelling kind of horror uh, story in, in Tinian's uh, I've, I've looked at it so many cap. times. 
<laughs> already. <laughs> well, Paul. <laughs> but it, it explains why, like, this headphones being weird. Like, that explains it. Um, but, you know, on top of Mimetic, uh, he also is responsible for The Woods, which is another story by Boom Studios that um, I believe went into second and third printings and was absolutely loved. Um, another one that wasn't, like, I mean, he's got such a, a murderer's row of incredible books that <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, like, well, this one didn't do good because it didn't do good as compared to the other ones, uh, is the UFOlogy. That's another book that he did that was really well loved. That was another six issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly think, you know, between the Department of Truth, um, win second printing, win number one on the third printing, and um, Amy, what was that? Oh, oh wow. Joker, oh, jo Joker, Joker Warzone. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Joker Warzone. He, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a busy guy. And luckily, uh, hopefully this kind of helps introduce you to some of his writing if you hadn't been familiar with him. But if he wasn't on your radar, he really should be now. Mm-hmm. It's always great to go to the, the store and go, okay, I know I like this writer. Or maybe you don't know if you like this writer and, and right. try a sampling of their different works, but then you can follow them across different publishers because the name of the game nowadays is people working with as many publishers as will share their work. Yep. So I think it's time for our weekly haul. On that note, uh, let's get to one of the biggest releases of the week. We're going to cover the aim of these books for you. And I know that uh, our, our repeat customers and longtime viewers are very familiar with our system, and I hope that you are using it in your own daily lives to uh, recommend comic books to other people. But for those of us, those of you just joining us, the AIM system is our uh, kind of trademark little way that we like to explain these books to you because numbers are arbitrary. Numbers are harsh. If I say something is a three out of 10, then you immediately think it's bad. That's a right. weird number. But how did I come up with a three out of 10? There are so many factors. Uh, when you read these books, because there's the the clarity of the lettering, there's the colors, there's the story. Is it interesting? How is it formatted? Is it weird? Is it expensive? So mm -hmm. we've come up with a simple acronym, three easy steps. A is for accessibility. How easy is it to grab and go? Can you read this book with no prior barrier of entry? Also, how likely are you to find it on the shelves? That is a very real factor. Yes. The I is for interest, which is who would like this? Is there something similar that you might be reading that would inspire you to pick up this book? Is there something that you need to know that maybe would turn you completely off this book? What is the interest factor? And then M is the money. How much are you spending? It is. We like to also call it the, the monetary investment because there is there are sometimes page ratios that affect the price. So why am I paying $8.99 for this book? Is it is it a glossier paper stock? Is it a mm -hmm. larger book? Is it a repeat printing? Is it a rare variant? We want to let you know how much it's going to cost you and the value you are getting kind of per page of the actual book itself. So that is our right. aim system. And Paul's going to take it away with Department of Truth number one for us. It's like put your... Uh... James Tinian caps down and then put them right back on because we're talking <laughs> Department of Truth, number one. Uh, again, written by James Tinian IV. The art, uh, the incredible, incredible art is by Martin Simons and the lettering, uh, I'm sorry, that's the art and the coloring and the lettering is by Aditya Bidikar, who is a hu huge fan, uh, big fan of the work. Um, so now we'll jump right into it. What is the accessibility of this book? Uh, or maybe before that, I'll tell you at least about what it's a, a little bit about what this book is about. Um, so it's kind of on the nose there. Uh, there is a secret uh, department within the government that is responsible for making sure that conspiracy theories stay conspiracy theories. Um, and that's all I'll tell you. That's, the, that's, that's <laughs> all I can tell you without spoiling it. Um, as far as the A, the accessibility of this book, um, first, 
you should be able to find this book because as we mentioned a little bit uh, earlier and uh, Amy did as well, uh, this is a pretty popular book. It's one of the biggest releases, if not the biggest release of the week. So your shop should not only have cover A here, which you can see, um, but it should have multiple variants. I saw at our local shop, I think three or four variants well in stock. Um, now, how easy to, is it to just pick up and read? Very easy. Um, now, that's not to say that the content itself isn't confusing, but what it, because it's it's an incredible it's a first issue, so it's got to ask more questions than it answers, of course. But um, it definitely does not require any prior knowledge. Uh, again, as I know, Amy likes to say, if a book is um, asking you to know other stuff before it's number one issue, then it's not a true number one. Um, because you shouldn't have to do all this research beforehand. And this is a true number one, as true a number one as you can get. Um, there should be absolutely no friction into kind of understanding it. There are just some historical figures and moments that if you aren't familiar with them, it may be kind of difficult, but A, you should know some of these historic moments. <laughs> and, and the B, conspiracy theories about them. Or the conspiracy theories about them. And B, um, if not... Just Google it real fast and you can find it. Um, and then you can kind of really enjoy this book. Uh, as far as the interest, who would love this book? Um, everyone. Everyone would love this book. But uh, more specifically, um, I personally have been really excited for this for a really long time. Um, if you are a fan of conspiracy theories, um, you're you're going to love this book. This book is all about that. That's all this whole run is going to be about. So if you're like me and like you're just like, you just love the idea of conspiracy theories. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, now, as far as some other mediums and properties you may be familiar with, if you'd liked uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman's The Manhattan Projects, like that sort of, um, you know, underbelly, super seedy, uh, you know, government agency that's supposed to look like one thing and it's another, that hits uh, a lot of the same notes really well. Uh, of course, uh, in certain ways, the X Files is is kind of seems very influenced on this. Netflix's Mind Hunter, um, and I mean, there's just so so many different things. Uh, and again, a lot of the art also we were saying is very similar to um, like Bill Sienkiewicz and uh, a lot of um, oh Amy, my my brain, Dave Dave McKinnon. Dave McKean. Dave McKean. I'm sorry. Dave, and Dave Dave McKean. And for those who joined us, uh, I believe, last week, because it's it's hard to keep track of when these big books release, um, we shared the Martin Simmons cover of Autumnal uh, yes. from Vault Comics. That was his work, that very uh, sketchy, um, mm -hmm. almost paint splotching style. That's It's very uh, unsettling in a really great way. Yeah. And a lot of what this book is is unsettling and again it asks way more questions than it answers in a good way in a way that you're like okay i am totally on board and if you've heard the last page of this book truly is a jaw dropper it really is like i didn't want to buy into the hype but it really is like oh man okay now i'm in so buy it <laughs> read it let us know uh what you think of it and as for the m and aim the monetary investment it's only 3.99 and it's a uh cool breezy 32 pages um and it's an ongoing book so you know buckle in and invest because it's it's as far as we know it's gonna keep going all right i'm gonna hop over with something a little little old little new uh 
I am reviewing the giant size X-Men tribute number one from Marvel Comics, and that is the background you are also seeing behind me. This is the nice. Adi Granov cover, which coincidentally, if you are just a huge fan of this second genesis of the X-Men, Sideshow will be carrying uh, a fine art print and a giant size deluxe canvas uh, of this print. Um, it is a redraw of Dave Cockrum's classic cover. Um, I, oh, that is Dave Cockrum on the cover, right? I think it is. Uh, now so I'm doubting myself. Um, but it is the giant size X-Men with the original five team of X-Men uh, in blue, shocked and horrified as the second wave of now absolutely iconic and fan favorite mutants, including Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and uh, Colossus and Thunderbird and Cyclops. But he's part of the original team. All burst through. So this is an interesting book. It is written technically by Len Wein. Uh, this is a tribute to Len Wein and David Co uh, Dave Cockrum. But the artists inside are over 40 different Marvel artists, including colorists and inkers. And I'm just going to name some of the big names because they did give every single artist a different page. Mm. Uh, this book includes artwork by Alex Ross, Chris Somney, Guri Hiru, Mark Brooks, Marguerite Savage, Carmen Carnero, Pepe Larraz, Jen Bartel, Emma Lupacchino, uh, Phil Noto, and more. I did. I I could sit here listing the whole <laughs> list. It is a murderer's row of artists. This is an oversized issue keeping in pace with the original oversized issue. Um, this is the 45th anniversary of the Giant Size X-Men release, and uh, every single artist did a different page. So wow. for accessibility, this was the launch of a new X-Men comic back in 75, so technically it is an X-Men first issue. You don't necessarily need to be familiar with the lore to read it. However, I will say you are most likely, and this will kind of blend interest, you are most not likely not reading this for the story. You are reading this for the fact that it is a tribute to the original script mm -hmm. done by some of Marvel's modern uh, iconic artists. The changing visuals, I'm, I'm going to flip back to accessibility, the changing visuals from page to page they do a great job of pairing artists who visually look similar as the book transitions. However, it is kind of jarring in some of the transitions. I will say I love Guru Hero so, so much, but to see their cartoony um, style juxtaposed with like a hard realistic style was very strange. <laughs> um, not unwanted though. It is an amazing tribute issue. Um, there's a, there's, so there's a little bit of visual discordance, but overall, nothing prevents the accessibility of the story itself. It was a bridge between the original era of X-Men and the, the kind of new and one of the most beloved eras. So it does its own job of kind of explaining the story. But again, like I said, for the interest, you are probably going to be drawn in by the artists and seeing your favorites tackle different pages of the X-Men. It is the exact same story as it once was. And if you're actually looking to read the original story, I would recommend finding one of the Marvel reprints of Giant Size mm -hmm. X-Men. The draw for this book truly is the artwork. Um, regardless, though, if you've never read an X-Men comic or if you're loving the new X-Men, this is great, especially if you're loving the Jonathan Hickman reboot, because this issue famously was the debut not only of characters like Storm and Nightcrawler, but it was the debut of Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. Um, and, and it gives a great explanation for Krakoa as an entity that feeds on mutant powers. And it's so cool to see how that has changed uh, for Jonathan Hickman's run. Uh, this is definitely a great issue for collectors. I actually don't think it comes with any variant covers. Um, I think the Adi Granov illustration is what is on the rack. Um, yeah. But in terms of M, the money, this is $5.99. It is an oversized issue. It is 48 pages long. But it does come with a free digital bonus edition. Most Marvel comics do. And if they don't, I'll, I'll do my best to call that out. But it is like getting a, a digital copy 
and a physical copy. So that's nice. And you can upload and redeem that copy to your Comixology account or your Marvel account uh, and have that preserved for you. Another nice bonus that does come in the back of this book are a couple of essays and retrospectives on Len Wein, Dave Cockrum, and uh, Chris Claremont as well, another famous X-Men contributor. Uh, So this is really a nice tribute to the X-Men. It doesn't add anything new to the X-Men lore, but it is so much fun to see all of the the artists take on a page. And this is not the first, nor will it be the last, uh, X-Men project where they gave everybody a separate page. They did that with the the Merry Xmas special a few years back as well. And mm-hmm. it's it's fun to see everybody's different take on the X-Men. So there's not much more I can add to that discussion. It is a <laughs> it is the classic issue redone in a new way. And I think that's it's very clever for Marvel to celebrate mm-hmm. the book's anniversary in that way. That's great. I mean, so moving from one Marvel flagship to another, mm-hmm. uh, the next book that I am going to aim for you all is Fantastic Four number 24 uh written by dan slot an artist by uh, the art by paco medina um this was a really interesting uh book it, it definitely wasn't what it was when i was like pr- i was pre-writing some of my aim segment and then i you know we usually kind of finish it up once we've read the book um or that's how i do it at least and so w- this was not what I thought it was going to be. This is a really interesting like filler story between the events of Empire and where the Fantastic Four are going next. So as far as the aim for this book, the accessibility, um, this is as close to a Fantastic Four number one that you're going to get right now in, in, in the main core story. Um, you don't really need to know much. There are some events from the recent Empire event that do sort of play into this but on the very first page of this comic they you know they lay them out really well for you and tell you everything that you need to know uh and i i found that really helpful we luckily read all of empire so it was kind of nice to be reminded of that because a lot of what happened sort of does seem like a long time ago in the world of comics (laughs) but um so I, i i think you know as far again, the accessibility, you should be able to just pick this up and enjoy it. Also, uh, you should be able to find this book pretty much everywhere. I think you have um, this cover. So I'm sorry. So you have yeah, the cover that we're seeing here, which is cover A. There is a Fortnite versus Marvel cover. And then four Alex Ross timeless variant covers that are portraits of all of the four members of fantastic four i picked up the uh, human torch i thought that was pretty great those timeless Um, covers are amazing they are pretty sweet there's a great one for dr strange with uh for strange academy with dr strange and i was very Mm. tempted didn't do it but i was very tempted the timeless covers for those who don't know it is a singular portrait by alex ross of a character in his amazing painterly style, kind of waste up get it here, but uh, the the virtual background oh, is causing it to disappear, it, it, and it, it Paul is completely gone too. It doesn't like it, but they're, but uh, they're very beautiful covers. They don't have any trade dress, which is the lettering that you would see on a comic book. Yeah, um, so that you'll you'll see them on the shelves, and they're usually cover price. Yeah, they're all pretty fantastic. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, oh, haha, that was totally on purpose. <laughs> and so, um, as far as the interest goes, uh, obviously, people who love the Fantastic Four uh, are going to love this book. Uh, if you were, in, if you read Empire and you weren't reading Fantastic Four, uh, this would be a good place to sort of branch out and read more Marvel books, uh, because I do think a lot of the events that did take place in Empire will hopefully, uh, as promised fingers crossed, impact 
Marvel going forward. So if you were, they'll if, change everything you know. <laughs> everything we know about comics will change forever. Every, until the next time that it until, changes. <laughs> until it changes again. Yes, comics are malleable, if anything. Um, but there is just so much to love in this story. Uh, what I found really interesting, uh, particularly about this story, is it's it takes the Fantastic Four out of that universe and galaxy ending and expanding adventure that we're, we know them for. And it's sort of a really hard, intimate look at their family dynamic. And specifically, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but specifically how uh, Johnny Storm, uh, Mr. I'm sorry, uh, the Human Torch fits into that family because he starts seeing that other people have moved on in the family and he feels a little, uh, you know, ostracized if, you, if that's the right word for that but i don't know if it is but it feels a little bit like an outsider uh be, in within his own family and you know team so it really explores that really well i thought dan slot uh wrote a, a, a hell of a book in in terms of you know capturing johnny's voice and how like he's always this big you know sort of um grandiose person who's always tries to be larger than life but you know he still misses his family um, and so then for the M, the monetary investment, uh, it's again, $3.99. This is 28 pages, so it's a little bit less, but I really didn't find very many ads in this. So it's it's almost about 26 pages of like solid comics. So that's, that's really great to see. Uh, and again, this is an ongoing, and Fantastic Four number 25 is actually where the art team changes, and that's where all of the new arc comes in. So this is a really great filler. If you want to jump on a Fantastic Four, jump on now with Fantastic Four number 24. And it, being a Marvel issue, that should also come with a free digital bonus edition for your for your pittance of $3.99. So that's always, that is always a nice uh, thing to do because yes. you can upload the digital and always go back to it once you've bagged and boarded your little... Uh, it never comes back out. Never. And it never comes back out. <laughs> um, so I've got another Marvel release this week. It was big for Marvel. Uh, with uh, the the last one I want to cover is Shang Chi number one. Uh, this is a five issue mini or the start of a five issue mini series written by Gene Luen Yang, who is a cartoonist best known for his very famous American Born Chinese and Superman Smashes the Clan. More recently, uh, for a a the um, young graphic novel uh, imprint for DC, there are two artists trading responsibilities on this book. It is, uh, Dyke Ruan and Philip Tan. They, they alternate present day and flashback sequences. And Sebastian Chang is the colorist on this title. Now I was actually really surprised by how much I enjoyed this book. This is a character who I genuinely don't know much about, and that's not necessarily my fault. Uh, Shang-Chi has been extremely dormant in Marvel Comics in recent years. I think the, the last time I saw him was in uh, Domino Hot Shots by Gail Simone in 2018, and he was a two-issue guest star. But he is a Bronze Age D-lister character who has not rightfully had his chance to shine. However, Marvel has astutely picked up on the fact that they are going to be making a film starring <laughs> Shang-Chi. Um, you guys will also notice, I want to take a brief moment... Um, there are nice tribute banners on lots of Marvel comics this week. Yes. You might see the black bar on top. There is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. There are uh, portraits by artists Sway and Brian Stelfreeze as well. Uh, so when you're picking up Marvel books this week, you will see that. Um, however, this is the debut of uh, the five-issue miniseries for Shang-Chi, uh, Shang trying to get people familiar with the character and really breathing a new life into this character. For accessibility, I don't think you need to know anything about Shang-Chi, and I don't think you'll be faulted for not knowing anything about Shang-Chi. This is one of the strongest debuts for a Marvel book where you don't have to know whose who's apocalypse has ended Ooh. the world recently or what teams he's been on. Um, 
high praise coming from you. I, I really like this. And, and every once in a while, there's a book release that you are just genuinely tickled by in, in yep. like a, oh my goodness, I didn't expect this. Um, it almost didn't feel like a Marvel title with the exception of a Fing Fang Foom cameo, Fin Fang Foom <laughs> cameo. Uh, and it could easily fit along the likes of other uh, incredible indie miniseries, but I think it is really important that it is a Marvel title because Shang-Chi is one of the premier Asian superheroes in mm -hmm. Marvel Comics, and he will be getting his due. And this is kind of the new, uh, almost, I, I feel like it's going to be set to be a new definitive version of the character. It doesn't set out to rewrite his origin, but it does give him an exciting new adventure and place in the Marvel Universe. Um, it should be widely, widely available. It is a Marvel number one. It is a, a rather anticipated release, and it is... Uh, going to be on it is on comiXology so you can access it there so for interest first of all if you're a fan of shang chi congrats for holding in there this is definitely <laughs> like you have to read this this is not to be missed if you're not familiar with shang chi this is a must read for anyone who goes i don't know about him this is going to give you information that you need to know he used to be known as the master of kung fu that was his kind of bronze age debut title um but since then He's he's been in and out, and they're not really sure what to do with him. But writer Yang, who helped create uh, the Chinese Superman Kong Kinan for DC Comics, uh, right, yeah. really brings a nice authenticity and empowerment to the character that doesn't feel hokey. It just it feels really strong. And there's actually a lovely interview with uh, Yang online where he talked about as a child he avoided picking up Shang Chi comics because he felt that that would be uh, denoting like the way that he is different as a, as a Chinese American mm. citizen. He didn't want people to be like, Oh, well, of course you're reading that character's book. So he is writing this as the Shang-Chi comic that he would have picked up as a child and been proud to have represent him. So I think Great. it's really cool. And one of the things I want to commend both uh, for Dyke Ruan and Philip Tan with the art um, as a master of martial arts, the, action sequences have to be clean and crisp and there is a lot of really nice nicely paced action where so often in superhero comics the fight scenes can get muddy and really confusing but uh the the action like i said it's just very crisp uh sharp art and movements from uh both artists who handle either of the the martial arts sections it's a fascinating kind of setup you get some of that epic lore that informs the um kind of the five weapons organization and how Shang-Chi got his powers and um, all these different bits that feel like a natural part of like mythology and, right. and generational storytelling. Um, but then it does put a, a modern twist on it. And I, I just, I think if you're going to, if you're going to pick up one book that you're really skeptical about this week, pick up Shang-Chi. Uh, I would even say almost over the X-Men title because the X-Men title is a story that has been available for years and years. Right. Um, for money, it's a $3.99 debut. Marvel doesn't often do $3.99 releases, um, but because this is a five-issue miniseries, you do know that each of the books will be $3.99, and that's kind of your investment if you're going to stick with it for the whole time. Plus, again, free digital bonus edition, so there is no reason not to pick up Shang-Chi number one this week. Do it. You heard, Amy. Do it. Yeah, please do. I mean, I was genuinely I surprised. I really liked it. Yeah, I really, I, really liked it. I, uh, I, th I think we had both picked it up and we were like, well, we don't really know what to think of this book. It hasn't really I, – I saw it as like – I mean, I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure Amy can comment on it. Like, I think I saw it as like, oh, this is a good companion to the film that was supposed to be out soonish. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, from what I'm hearing is it, it sounds like something that is completely on its own and deserves all the attention as its own thing. 
yes, it, it there is no secret that it was probably timed to go with the movie, as was like Black Widow, um, and and those right. releases that kind of got um, upended because of the change in film slate. But again, so many people will probably be saying. I don't know who Shang-Chi is. I don't know why I should care. And that's the yep. exact reason you should be reading this book because you have so much more time now between the movie and this release. And if this book does well, I'm sure that Marvel will uh, consider doing even more Shang-Chi stories before the film because now they do have such a lead time. Also, I'm so excited uh, for Simu Liu to be Shang-Chi. Oh, like, yeah. just, I, love, I love his Twitter presence. Like, it's, and, and you get a sense for the fact that this is, this is a character who is very fun uh, and, and has a lot of has a lot more going for him than just being the Bronze Age master of kung fu. Right. So that's that is my glowing endorsement for the week. <laughs> it and glowing it is. But Amy, do we have time for what do you think? Do we have time for if we keep round? it really if we keep it really rapid? I think we should do okay. a rapid fire round because this was a a big week and people might want to make sure they're not missing things. All right, everyone. So we're going to go into our rapid fire round really quickly. These are books that we obviously did not talk about on the show, but these are things that maybe you want brought to your attention. But also more importantly, these are books that me and Amy actually picked up and had in our pools. Uh, first and foremost, I guess I'll kick us off here. Uh, I picked up X-Ray Robot number two by Mike Allred, Batman the Joker Warzone number one, Batman three Jokers number two. That's a that's basically <laughs> a math problem. Um, uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal uh, Multiverses and number one, another huge tie-in to the event. Uh, we've got Wonder Woman number 763, That Texas Blood number four, Avengers 36, Shang-Chi number one, of course, um, Strange Academy number three, and X-Factor number four, which is part two of uh, Ten of Swords. So of that, Swords. that worked out nice because I'm already reading X-Factor. So, and Paul wonderful. and I... Paul and I do have some double ups, so I also got Avengers 36 and Strange Academy. X-Factor number four is a slightly larger uh, issue because it is part of the event, so you will be paying slightly more for it. Um, and then this, I, b besides the books you saw me talk about for Truth, Shang-Chi, and Giant Size X-Men, uh, triple punch of fantastic miniseries that are on their final issue today. So if you're not reading them, I recommend now going to your store and asking for the trade paperback of... what or to pre-order of alienated number six from boom studios, the ludocrats number five from image and then mercy number six from image. Those are all wrapping up this week. So you will not see them on the show anymore. Sad because they are finished, but when their trades come out, we'll do our best to let you know, but otherwise go ahead and pre-order them because that lets the creators know that you really liked it. And then there might be, there might be more and then or there at least might be more supporting, supporting the livelihoods of people who throw out those nice mini series. So yeah, that's great. our rap rapid fire big week for books because yes. it's the last week of September. Mm -hmm. So I think we can probably get right into our next segment, which is our holler at the hall segment, which is uh, our way of communicating with you all we basically ask everyone a question every week and uh we allow we allowed like i'm like a royalty but you know everyone uh hollers at us <laughs> we, we permit you to to holler at permitted us to holler at us but um <laughs> we always ask a question in the let your geek said show facebook group um and it's up there for it's usually up there over the weekend um and we get all a ton of different responses this was no different um our amy do you want to let everyone know what our question of this week was yeah, this is a question you guys might end up seeing uh, in the future. It's one I think we've asked before just for funsies, but do you collect variant cover comics? If so, how do you decide which to pick up? We're talking 
artist, rarity, character, what inspires you to pick up the variant instead of what the company said is the main comic comic cover? Because the, the covers do play a big factor in the book sometimes. Sometimes 100%. they're just purely a fun thing to do, but sometimes they are uh, special in that they hint at the story in a different way or they feature some fun little gag. Marvel's doing a series called uh, Heroes at Home about what superheroes would be doing during the pandemic and it's all silent and i almost picked one up today because it was so cute but i had to resist um so we asked you and you guys hollered at us and now i ain't no hollaback girl but i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to read some of the responses sorry i think i destroyed paul uh ken wilson Ken Wilson told us, I've never used that joke before and I will never use it again. Uh, Ken Wilson said, I go for favorite characters or artists. I have a pretty extensive Bane collection from Batman and Detective Comics, nice. but I'll generally go all out if Art Germ does a character that I like, like Death Metal 2 Harley. Nice. Yes. Art Germ is one you do have to go all out for. Like there's Harder. there's no there's no uh, playing it safe with Art Germ variants. Yeah, he's so good. Even Sideshow as a company is a huge fan. <laughs> we have a ton of his friends. He's he's great. And uh, that's a shameless podcast. You can go to sideshow.com, art prints. And you can see all of his great work <laughs> there. Always professional, Amy. That's how that works. Uh, Katie Breedlove said, I pick up any variant that has Namor, uh, even if I don't collect the series. I collect J. Scott Campbell and Scotty Young covers. I'll also get variants with my favorite characters if they go uh, with a series that I collect. Uh, that, that's another uh, real big popular method that people do for variants. Uh, I, I used to be a lot worse. I used to pick up basically anything Doctor Strange, so I totally get that. Yeah, I that Marvel did a Death of the Mighty Thor month just before Jane Foster uh, kicked it. Spoilers. Um, and there were like 30 books that had her on the cover that had nothing to do with her, but she was on the cover and I bought every single one of them. So I feel you on that one, Katie Breedlove. Patrick Tomic. Patrick Thomas Urker said, I will just grab whichever one I like better normally unless it's part of a set. Uh, example, the Deceased movie poster series, which was so cool. Yes. Uh, however, I also collect certain artists like Julian Totino Tedesco and Scotty Young. We also carry Tedesco uh, art prints on Sideshow. Sure Only if it's part of a series I'm interested in. Firefly and Boom Comics have a great selection when it comes to variants, and it's always a hard decision when I go to pick up my subs. Absolutely. Yes. Never easy. It's never <laughs> easy. Uh, and then finally, Justin Sanchez said, I'm really digging Natalie Sanders' art right now. It's just beautiful. And he actually provided um, an example of it. And N Natalie Sanders was someone – I was not familiar with her work uh, before um, – Justin had had mentioned to us, but I mean, this is a, a cover from Harley Quinn. I'm uh, sorry, Harley Quinn number seventy five, and that's Punchline and Harley Quinn. I mean, and it's absolutely beautiful. So I mean, sometimes some of these comics literally uh, will just blow you away, like this Natalie. Um, oh, geez, I'm sorry, this Natalie Sanders one uh, did, and so I totally get it. I would have probably picked this up right off the rack as well. It's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so we will be sharing that on our blog if you are listening to the audio once again. And then finally, I also like to say if I will pick up a variant cover if somebody that I know designed it. I want to give a shout out to Ian McDonald, who is also a sideshow artist and designer and has done a number of prints with us. He's been killing it with DC Comics stuff lately. And I know that he has had Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. He's done a series of Catwoman covers. So I will go out of my way to check those out and support another sideshow artist. So that's really cool. So Wonderful. yeah. Variant covers are, are a tough topic, and, and I will save my other anecdotes for another day, but they are a dangerous, dangerous rabbit hole, especially when you start getting to the ones that are beyond the cover price, and they, like, are rarer, and so they cost a little bit more. But surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, no one said that they go just for the rarest one. So I, I like yeah, that people... Same. 
pick the characters and the artists that mean something to them. So I think that's that's ultimately, again, when it comes down to it, buy and read and do what makes you happy with these books. And I think that's the that is the ultimate uh, way to engage with your books. If uh, there are pillars that the Comics Hall was originally built upon, it was it is those pillars. Do <laughs> you? <laughs> yes. Do what makes as, you happy because, uh, you know, as we can see variants, uh, you know, that question we just asked is, is very subjective. Like why, like we need to know why exactly everyone's answer is different. So our next question is just as subjective, I'd say. Um, <laughs> our, our next question for our next Holler at the Hall segment is, what is the most valuable comic you own? This can be sentimental value or actual monetary value. So again, what's the most valuable comic you own, um, monetary-wise or sentimental-wise? Uh, let us know. We will post a um, we will post that question and have actual uh, you know comments turned on and everything in the Let Your Geek Set Show Facebook group that usually goes up about Friday morning, uh, depending on how fast my coffee is kicked in because I'm usually the one that posts it or, uh, or if I can pawn it off on Amy and Amy, you, you, you do it this week. <laughs> and if you don't want to wait for the post, you can always email us oh, at the comics hall at sideshow.com. Let us know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. You can use that email, even if it's not for the, the cop, the, Holler at the Hall question. Mm -hmm. If you want to share something with us, make sure we're checking out a release. Just we want to hear from you. So that yep. is again the comics hall at sideshow.com. Mm -hmm. Uh please send us pictures of of your valuable comics if you feel like you want to share. I know sometimes the value comes from a signature or not. I'm looking right. forward to hearing those stories and, and why that book is valuable. So we are coming to the end of our show, but before we go, we just want to remind you where you can find us. Uh, you guys in the in the lovely chats have been here live at 4 p.m. Pacific. That is every Wednesday uh, on Sideshow's official YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and other channels. Um, and then if you are listening to us on the podcast, that is available on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and that goes up on Thursdays following the Wednesday show uh we are on social media at the comics hall on facebook instagram and twitter and you can always reach out to us there or in the let your geek side show facebook group and you can tag paul hernandez and amy chase we are there for you to chat and talk comics and love seeing your collection so thank yes. you guys so much for participating uh and engaging with us because that's what really makes the the new comic book day wednesday experience kind of worth doing oh yeah 100 percent Excellent. So thank you guys so much for joining us again. This was the September 30th haul. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been your Comics Hall. See you next time. This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Sideshow.